0: We've had a a fabulous week at conference, and I I hate to rub it in for those of you who didn't go, and the good weather and everything, (laughs) and sort of getting out of bed and sort of actually not feeling cold at all. Um, But interestingly enough, whenever you go to a conference, there's always a theme, which is made very plain, but there's also often an underlying current of Things that, for me, it may have been only something that I recognised. It might have been just for me. And other people got different undercurrents from the messages. But a lot of it reminded me of some of the things that were spoken over us, Vicky and myself, and our church when we started out 20 years ago. And I thought back to those times and... I was thinking over these scriptures and how encouraging they were and also thinking over them and thinking how downright frightening they were as well. And how to actually be involved in ministry is a, is a constant battle of, fear over, of faith over fear. And I thought I'd start this morning by telling you a story. Now I'll admit up front that I pinched this story from... Uh, Tom Hanks' address to Yale University in 2011, which I discovered on Facebook the other day. (laughs) Googled it, got the transcript, and I won't bore you with the rest of the stuff he said, but I I quite like the story that he told. And it was about three men whose respective fears in life had got to the stage where they couldn't sleep, they were exhausted. Their lives had come to a standstill. They could no longer move forward because they were paralyzed by fear. So these three men heard of a, a wise man who lived way up in the mountains and they decided to find this wise man and see if he could take their fears away. And this wise man lived so high in the mountains, above the tree line, so there were, there were no plants and, an, and there were no animals. In fact, he, he was so high in the rarefied air of this mountain there were no insects, there was nothing, just him sitting in a cave, gasping for breath. And they found this wise man. And they walked up to his cave, and the first one said, Oh, wise man, can you help me with my fear? And the wise man said, Well, what is your fear? He says, I fear death. The wise man said, Ah, death. He said, Let me comfort you. He says, Death will not come to you until you are ready to embrace it took a step back and thought, oh, really? Oh, in that case, that's all right then. And his fear fled and he no longer feared death. And so the second man came up and he said, I fear my neighbours. And the uh, wise man said, ah, strangers. Yes. He said, why? He said, well, I've got these neighbours, they... They worship different holy days from me. They've got hordes of children and their music sounds abysmal. And he says, ah. He says, I have the answer for you, my friend. He says, go home. Bake a cake for your neighbours and take it round. Buy toys for their children and learn their songs. And then you will no no longer be afraid of your neighbours. And the guy said, oh, I hadn't thought of that. What a good idea. And his fear fled. And so the third man comes up and he says, oh, wise man, I have a fear. And the wise man said, what is it? He says, I have a fear of spiders. He says, I look for them everywhere in my waking hours. and I can't sleep at night because I imagine them in their, on their webs coming down from the ceiling and crawling all over my flesh and getting into my mouth. Do you know the average American eats eight spiders in their sleep a year? That wasn't part of the story, but... Um, and the wise man said, "Ugh, spiders, why the hell do you think I live up here? <laughs> fear can get the, into the best of us. And the trouble is, the influences of this world know it. And they feed on that fear. Fear is whispered in our ears and shouted in our faces every day. It snaps at our heels, delays our course, and holds us back. Faith must be fostered every day by the man or the woman that you see in the mirror. Faith. Faith can stimulate our creativity, it can spur our steps and drive us forward. If fear is cultivated, it'll become stronger. If faith is cultivated... It will achieve mastery, fear or faith, who is going to win. And that was a situation we found ourselves in 20 years ago. We had an opportunity to cultivate both of these things. And yet we were given a, a scripture that I remember from the book of Isaiah. And it was Isaiah, strangely enough, 54, verses 2 and 3. I've already used this scripture once this morning, so I'm carrying on with the theme. And it says, Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined scriptures. Who thinks that is a... Did I say something rude then? (laughs) Sounded like one of those... I was going to say, that is a great scripture. Find that time. Because it promises a great future and encourages us to use faith to actually bring that to pass. But the interesting thing is that if that was the only scripture spoken over us, let me tell you, we'd have given up long ago and closed the church. Because it would have been quite easy to give in to the fear and become paralysed in our walk and actually refuse to go further because that, that, that scripture promises great things. I mean, it says soon you will be bursting at the seams. Let me tell you, that did not happen soon. And so the opportunities to be discouraged were many and varied. So luckily, we were given other scriptures that actually gave us something to hold on to, something to understand. And still in Isaiah, in, verse, in chapter 58 and verse 10, this was actually the main scripture that we were given on to, the main scripture that we took to heart and has been a key scripture ever since, and was actually a key scripture at conference this week. Well, I guess we should all share the darkness. <laughs> Isn't it great that you have backlit screens that you can... It's okay, I didn't need the light, really. (laughs) Uh, Who's using pen and ink? (laughs) Somebody needs to get their phone and offer to use it as a torch. So, Isaiah 58, verse 10, says, Feed the hungry, help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength you will be like a well watered garden like an ever flowing spring some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities and then you'll be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes now i love this scripture for two reasons one it's it's encouraging but it also gives a bit of practical advice And two is it's actually a fancy scripture. It's it's, it's written as a sandwich. And you say, well, ah, but sandwiches weren't invented back when the Israelites. But they they knew about sandwiches, let me tell you. This scripture is actually written in a way to encourage people. The first verse gives us an instruction. It says, feed the hungry, help those in trouble then it gives us a consequence of obeying that instruction, doesn't it? It says, if we do this, that we will be light and the darkness around us will be as bright as the sun at midday. So there's a, an action and a consequence. The second verse gives us the power of the instruction. How are we going to do this? Is it our strength? Are we going to have to struggle to do this on our own? Are we going to have to think of ideas to make this come to pass? No. It tells us that God will always be with us to strengthen us, to refresh us, and to encourage us. The third verse actually just mirrors the first verse, but it makes it slightly bigger. It says, there's an action. Some of you will rebuild the deserted and ruined cities, and you will be known as repairers and restorers of your cities. But it's the same thing. It's an action with a consequence to that action so if we look at it, there's actually two bits of bread and there's meat in the sandwich. The, the, the bread is our part and the meat is God's part. And it actually shows us that it's a, there's something to be done, but we don't have to do it on our own. And how we interpret that particular scripture, that really depends on our, the country we're in, the location of our church, the culture of our church. Because you can interpret that many different ways. It's, it's actually very interesting that we, we often look at Scripture and take it at face value because some of it makes sense. Who thinks that feeding the hungry and helping people in trouble is a perfectly reasonable thing for a church to do? Who thinks that going out and repairing deserted cities is a reasonable thing for a church to do? Not really. I mean, who's a builder here? Who knows stonework? Okay, we'll send some of them out. Um, that's that sort of, you look at it and think, well, that's a bit out of, out of our sort of range of experience. And sp- people will say, oh, well, of course, you're supposed to take the first bit literally, but the last bit is sort of a, 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 an analogy for, for, the, for the larger. Well, it might be. But Scripture is consistent. We don't just take some bits one way and other bits, especially in the same same book. Isaiah is, is is often written as poetry. It's not prose as we read it out in English. And so we have to look at that and think, "Well, how are we going to interpret it? What is actually about doing? Now, if we understand that the the first and the last verses are telling us much the same thing, we need to realise that they're actually types of things that we should be doing. So we're called to actually do more than feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Doesn't mean we shouldn't do that. But I don't know about you, uh, if you whether you've been around Adelaide, but there aren't too many deserted buildings. And uh, most people wouldn't care if we restored them. In fact, there's a group of people who wander around with cameras at night who would be very upset if we did that. The, the urban, what are they called, Ben? Or urban explorers who go out looking for deserted buildings and do photographic essays and things on them. But it's actually telling us that we are called to do things on a personal level and things on a broader level, and that thing is restoring people. It's actually all about people. It's the people in our immediate areas, the people in our church, the people around us in our neighbourhoods and our communities, that we are called to help. Now, obvious one is feeding the, the hungry and helping the needy. But it's also about, you know, we're here to give financial counsel to people who need it. We're here to support families when families need that. We're here to pray for people who need prayer, whether it be for health or, or anything else. We're here to restore people around us to Jesus Christ. Now, as we do that, we're called to actually think of what we're doing in a bigger context. To, co- to go out into our cities and to have an impact further than our community. It's interesting that we have a mission in Fiji where we actually do build houses. We don't restore old ones, mind you. We knock them down and build brand new ones. But we go over there to restore people's dignity, to, re- to restore people to a way of life where they can support themselves, to help people preach the, wo- the gospel in Fiji. So it's actually all the same thing but we've got to think locally and we've got to think globally and that's how our church has always been because we've, we've believed that we are here to restore lives. We're here to restore the lives of the people who walk in our doors but we're here to go out and restore the lives of people outside our doors. I love the, the story that Lucy told about the fact that there were people in that hotel who would come up and ask what they were doing and they had... Uh, an opportunity to share the gospel. That's gold. So the whole scripture here talks about restorers. We're, we're, we're restorers. Whether we're, we're, we like those lifestyle shows where people go and restore houses and things, whether we feel that that's our capability in terms of people's lives or not, we're actually called to restore the lives of people who are desolate and in ruin most people won't admit to that but they don't know Jesus Christ There's a part of their life that needs restoring and that's our call the exciting verse is the middle one because that's what sustained us in this time, it's not our strength that's required for this it's the promise of God he says I will be there with you it says guide you every so often? No, it says, the Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you're dry and restoring your strength. So when we get weary, God supports us. But it's more than that, because then it goes on to say, you will be like a well-watered garden. So we're not on drip irrigation here. We're not on minimum fertilizer. God restores our strength and refreshes us but to an extent that we're not like a garden that looks as though it's just hanging in there. We're a well-watered, spring-fed garden. We flourish under God's guidance and strength and encouragement. We're like a well-fed, well-watered garden, an ever-flowing spring. Ever-flowing. It means it doesn't stop so we, we can be encouraged as a church that, w- that we're a church sandwich I'd like to think that our, our um, hospitality team goes above and beyond sandwiches but we have a call to do something and we've been told there's a consequence to doing something we actually get a reputation God's not worried about his reputation but we need to have a reputation of people who actually do what God asks us to do that are true and faithful, that the, the darkness around us becomes light when we arrive, that we restore people's lives, that people see their lives changed for the better and not for the worse when we're around. But I think the, the big problem we have as a, as a modern church and as individuals is what are we actually called to do? I mean, it's all very well to say that the church has a mission and has a plan, but what's your plan? What's your mission? What do you get up every morning knowing that God is going to continually guide you that day? He's going to water you, sort of encourage you when you're tired, give you sustenance when you're weary? Because most of us don't really know. Most of us hope that God is going to do something but we don't have a lot of direction a lot of the time because we don't think about it. So I want to encourage you this morning to actually think about these things. What is it that God has you to restore today? What are you going to restore tomorrow? What is your restorative purpose in life? Some people are good at restoring old furniture. Other people think the old furniture should be out on the tip which is where the people who restore furniture get their furniture from there are different ways that we interact so I thought this morning I'd I'd, I was praying about this during the week and I'd like to actually encourage some people here this morning if I get jawed up and now these I haven't picked these people because I think they need help let me get, get that straight. It's not the poor and the weak and the helpless that I'm bringing out here. Um, it, it's people I believe God has a specific word for. That the su- that they're, they're at a point where, where they're thinking about changing something or that they, they've been praying something that they need confirmation for or there's something that God wants to tell them that is different from normal. Um, the first person I actually want to speak to is Dylan. Can I get you to come out here? Now, uh, I just want you to note that Dylan has shorts on. Because, uh, no, you, you don't have to look at them. That's all right. You can just look at me. Um, because, uh, is it okay if I tell him what you do? Yes. Dylan's a teacher. Now, guess what he teaches? PE. Very good. Now, the thing is that Dylan has a responsibility to for the fitness of the students under his care. But it's interesting, looking at Dylan, what's one thing you're assuming right now about his fitness, given his job, that he's fit? But we don't actually know that he's fit, do we? We, we? we assume it. he could probably get away. For all we know, he has pizza for breakfast, sort of buns for lunch, and doesn't exercise at all, but happens to have one of those metabolisms that it doesn't show. But because of what he does, we, we assume that he is fit and he has the skills to teach other people to be fit as well. Now, I believe what, what God showed me this week is a picture of the spiritual side of Dylan. And I believe that's exactly the same thing. People look at you and they know that you have faith. And they will, are going to automatically assume that because you have faith, you can help them with their faith this is going to be a gift that god is giving you that you're not going to have to prove that you know anything spiritually because it actually doesn't matter how much we know spiritually but there's got, people are going to be attracted to you they are going to ask you about your spirituality they are going to ask you and you are going to be a doorway to jesus christ for people that out of the blue people are going to come up to you and start talking to you about jesus you're not even going to know all the answers but you're going to be able to say to them I have something inside of me. If you want what I've got, I can show you how to get it. And I believe this is, this is a confidence that's going to rise up in you. And you're not going to know why. You're, in fact, you're going to feel guilty about it because you're going to think, well, I'm not, I, I'm not fit for this. I don't know everything. Why, why are people coming to me? I'm not qualified. I, I, I'm, I'm just a guy who knows God. But that's what people are looking for. They're looking for people who know God. And I believe this is actually going to leak out of you to the point where people are just going to come up and start talking to you about Jesus. And it's like, what have I got a sign on my forehead that says, "Speak to me about?" Yes." In a spiritual sense, I believe God is saying you are going to have that sign on your life and on, on your spirit, that people are actually just going to automatically come up and talk to you about Jesus. And it's going to be nothing that you can control. It's, it's not to do with your fitness physically, but God is saying you are fit to be the door into my kingdom. And that I'm going to use you mightily to bring people that you don't even know to Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray right now. I pray that your Holy Spirit fills Dylan. That he is aware of this gift that you are giving him. He's going to just let it flow in him. And I pray that he stays faithful to his call. That he is a door and a gateway into your kingdom of his faithfulness because of his knowledge of you lord i pray blessing on him blessings in his job in his home life bless his relationships and his family lord in jesus name amen you're a good man where's barry wood just want to let you know that there's one thing if you feel that if if i'm praying or prophesying over over anyone you think that's me why isn't he doing that for me steal it god god doesn't mind god doesn't operate single people isn't just one person in this place who has that gift if you feel that's me you just pray and say god i I accept that i'm taking that Barry. the word i got for you was jacob see jacob was a naughty boy and he wrestled with God and I believe that a, a, lot of, a lot of your life you've wrestled with God and like Jacob you've won you've, you've struggled with things and God has shown you things and you've, you've gone from the depths of despair to the heights of glory because but you have never let go and God absolutely loves the fact that no matter where you've been you have, you've, you've You've grabbed him by his shirt front, and you've actually refused to let go of God. But God says, right now it's time to let go, because you need to start shirt fronting somebody else. the The struggles that you have gone are now yours to pass on. You need, God says, you're going to be looking at people, in your, in your, work world, in your family world, and you're going to use the experience you've had with God. You're going to shirt front them gently but you're going to be someone who is going to be able to confront people and say, hey, this is what I know about God. What you're thinking is wrong. You're going, to, you're, going to have, you're going to be direct and blunt. Not hard for you, I don't think. But I believe God is saying that there's a difference. It's not just about you and Him anymore. It's actually taking what you and God have and transferring it to people. But you're going to lay hands on people, but not, not, not gentle. You're going to lay hands on people and you're going to impact them they're going to say there is a strength and a power in you that is undeniable for somebody who's fought with God and won there's a a strength in your spirit which can't be replicated by man and God is saying I believe now is the time for you to take that and transfer it to others take the, the fight that you have in you and give other people that Fight that strength, that ability to wrestle with God and win, to never let go, to never let the devil have his way, even though times are hard, things don't always go the way you want. That God is always going to be there, that is your strength, that is your forte. And God says, Pass the baton, pass the baton, it's not leaving you, you will be renewed not saying your time is up just give it away he's saying you know you know the deal you can pass it on because that's going to flow through you into other people you will only get stronger as this happens you will not be depleted you will actually find yourself closer to god because you're prepared to give what you've got to others lord i pray and thank you for the power of your holy spirit Thank you, Lord, that is a flame that burns fiercely, a transferable flame into the hearts of other men. Amen. Amen. Ashley and Bailey here. has got plans for them just let them know Echo I talked this morning about fear and faith we saw Echo up here singing earlier it's a scary thing isn't it it takes a lot of faith to actually do And what I love about your spirit is that you live with that fear, but you don't let it rule you. You step up to faith. And I've seen how you've you've blossomed on there. You no longer look frightened up there. You're actually worshipping God up there and encouraging the rest of us. I believe God is putting a spirit of encouragement. That you're actually going to rise above the level that you think you can encourage people you think how can I encourage people but I believe God is saying that your mere demeanour the way you the way you act the way you look gives people confidence it's going to bring them to a, a closer relationship with God because you are an overcomer that you wear your faith on your sleeve that people can see it operating in your life so I thank you A spirit of faith, spirit of tangible, touchable, expandable. Desmond now I don't know why God does this to me all the time I don't don't have anything except that God God just told me "Give, give Desmond a touch of my spirit keep filling him with my spirit his desire is to have more of me and I'll never turn my back on people's desires So, Lord, fill him right now with your spirit. Thank you, Lord, that your plans and purposes are coming to fruit in his life. Thank you that you encourage him. Comfort him. Bring him joy. I get everybody to stand. Turn to the person to your left and tell them God has a plan for you. to the person on your right and say the same thing if there's no one on your left what you've got to decide is how you're going to work that plan the plans of 20 years thinking what do, I, what do I do differently today than I did 20 years ago And there are some things that I do differently, but there are some things that have just never changed. The fact that I know that God has called me to do something, that I have, that I strive to do that so that people will see that God is true to me and in my life. But in all of that, now as in then, I, I know that my strength comes from Almighty God, that it isn't me that's providing the impetus and the power to grow his church it's his church and he's providing it so each day my prayer is show me lord what i'm to do today to restore somebody's life what i'm to do today to build into somebody's life and that needs to be all our prayer we are the church we need to be restoring and building we need to work out how that what that is for us how that works for us i'm not on the hospitality team helping feed people because i burn things i'm not on the worship team singing because it horrifies people i do what i can do and we all need to work out what it is God has gifted us with the position he's placed us in to do what we can do best. But to do that, I mean, hey, we've got, we've got to be able to hear from God. I mean, who knows that God talks continuously into our lives, but sometimes we choose not to listen. There's a lot of la, 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 la that goes on. But we can always unstop our ears if we have a relationship with God and God is always faithful and will will always be there for us. But we have to have that relationship with God. So before I close this morning, I want to give an opportunity. If you are here this morning, you do not have a relationship with God. You do not call him father. He does not call you son or daughter. But you would like that relationship. You would like to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour in your life. To start your life's journey with God directing your path, being a light to your feet. Then you can do that by inviting Jesus into your heart, to invite Him to be part of your life from this day forth. In this church, we do that as a simple prayer, to pray that Jesus is now your Lord and your Saviour that you reject what you've done in the past and you're prepared to accept a life with Jesus and then we help you step onto that path and move on that journey with Jesus because it's not just a one day decision it's a lifetime of living so if you're here this morning you've never made that decision you've never said yes I want to follow Jesus I want him as my Lord and Saviour I want to invite you To say that prayer with me to invite Jesus into your heart so can I ask everyone perhaps just to close your eyes bow your heads and not look around for a minute or so and if that is you this morning if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ and you want to do that this morning or that you have done it before but you realize that you've severed that relationship and are no longer walking with Jesus. Can I ask you to put your hand up right now? I'll acknowledge that hand. You can put it down again and we will pray that prayer. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else here this morning? Anybody want to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior? Okay, can I get you all to open your eyes? And Let's pray this prayer together. If you put your hand up, can I ask you just to personalize this? Um, we will actually get somebody after the service to give you some material to help you on that walk but first of all let's just pray together to invite Jesus Christ into our hearts so pray after me Lord Jesus Christ from this day forth I accept you as my Lord as my Saviour and as my companion my old life is gone I take up a new life right now. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, service leader.